Hello, everyone, and welcome to Challenging Education, the new podcast from Cognita. My name is Simon Camby, and I'm the Group Education Director at Cognita. And I'm Beth Kerr, the Group Wellbeing Director. So thank you all so much for joining us. I really do hope you're keeping safe and well wherever you are in the world. Now, this podcast is aimed at educators within Cognita's global family and beyond it. We're going to be looking at the key issues relating to the new reality that we're now all facing in education today. Now, as Beth said, it really matters to us that we are discussing the issues and the themes that are relevant to you. And one of the big things for us is to make sure that we're discussing the way that education is adapting and evolving and also some of the challenges that we face. Now, Simon, I had been planning this podcast sometime before the COVID-19 pandemic began. But of course, things have moved considerably in recent weeks. But we do feel that there could not be a more pertinent time to start this. And we really hope that it can connect educators from all over the world as we share our experiences and ideas. Um, And we know we're going to feel inspired by the conversations we'll be having with you and with some of the most interesting and exciting people, both within and outside education. And in today's episode, we want to focus on something that's important to all of us, teacher well-being. And shortly, we're going to be speaking to a really highly respected psychologist, Dr Bill Mitchell. And this is somebody who I've had the pleasure of working with lots before. But before we talk to Bill, Beth, how are you feeling about this podcast? You know, I am excited, definitely. Um, But I am a little bit nervous, if I'm honest. It's strange as well. You are sitting in in a bedroom, a messy bedroom, surrounded by washing. I'm a little bit anxious that my children are just going to barge in at any moment, probably announcing that they finished that online school work they started about two minutes ago it's just surreal and um you know sometimes I feel suffocated and lonely at the same time and and confused by that um but I suppose overall really I feel grateful um this whole experience has really sort of strips back what you need in life oh and you'll be you'll be pleased to hear my husband is delighted that I have realized that handbags are not that essential um and so this this has been a, a real turning point um so Simon how about you you know you you probably haven't had the handbag epiphany no judgment if you have but how are you getting on no, I haven't been quite there yet with handbags though anything is possible isn't it in this time it's everything's really odd I was really struck there actually about this idea that you talked about about you know just mixed emotions coming together and I know that's that's just really the same for so many people I guess for me you know I I just realize all of the things that we take for granted in everyday life you know I'd just love to go for a coffee with friends or with colleagues and and you know I long for that day but I know that this is temporary it will pass and you know that that will come again I mean the the big thing for me as well when I was first at home my, my dog loved it because there were lots and lots of walks and now she's fed up of being walked so often so you know there are ups and downs for everybody here so um okay I'm really pleased now to to welcome onto the podcast someone who I've been privileged to work with over the last few years, the clinical psychologist, Dr Bill Mitchell, who heads up the Mitchell practice in London. Now, Bill lectures on mental health at King's College in London and is also a visiting lecturer at the London Business School. He has a real specialism in treating work-related stress issues. Welcome to the podcast, Bill. Thank you very much, Simon. It's always a pleasure to be working with you and your colleagues in Cognita. Bill, How are you and what does lockdown look like for you? I am well, thank you. It's obviously a bizarre time and we're all trying to figure out how to make it work for us. Um, Our office has been locked for five weeks. We actually moved to Scotland, set up a virtual office there. The main disruption for me 
is that ordinarily I'd be seeing my kids a couple of times a week. You know, my kids are independent. They, they, they're all in jobs. They live independently, but we'd normally meet up at weekends and probably once a week or something like that. And we haven't been able to do that. But, you know, we're doing it in uh, ways that we wouldn't have thought about before. Um, we do uh, Pilates at the weekend on Zoom, um, closing the whole thing off with a disco aerobics exercise, which is fantastic fun. And, you know, I think when all this is done, I think we'll probably keep that Zoom Pilates session going. Well, Bill, I, I quite want to join into this Pilates online discourse session. It sounds great. Um, but it, it is such a difficult time for everyone, uh, for sure. What sort of things do you do to help your own well-being? Well, you know, um, this is something I do take seriously. And as you know, I do a lot of sessions and lectures on the whole issue of well-being. And what I talk about in these lectures, I tend to incorporate into my own life. Um, I'm strict about exercising. I go out for a walk every day for about an hour. Here, I'm strict on my diet. You know, working on these unusual circumstances, it would be very easy to just drift to the cupboard and open a packet of biscuits. So I'm strict on my diet. I'm strict on sleep routines. It'd be very easy up here in Scotland to go to the whiskey bottle. I am very, very strict on how much I drink. So I'm running good routines for my well-being. It sounds very strict in your household. Um, but uh, one of the things we're really interested to learn from you today is, is really connected to your specialist knowledge, your expertise, your experience. Now, you know educators well. Indeed, you visited a good number of our schools. You've worked with lots of our colleagues. Could you just help us have a sense about what's going on for them now during this unusual time? Yeah, I've met a lot of educators and I have a pretty good understanding of um, their approach to life, and in particular, the pressures they put themselves under. I think that many educators are very demanding of themselves. I think they're hugely conscientious. They're committed to what they do. I think they have a very high sense of responsibility for their work and for their students. And those internal pressures can make it very demanding for them at this time, particularly because they're working out completely new ways of being able to educate their students. I think many of them will have something of a fear of letting people down, maybe letting themselves down or letting their students down. Now, these internal pressures, I think, can make us very susceptible to how other people behave. And I think there is a lot of anxiety around right now. I think many parents, for example, are anxious about their kids, they're anxious about their kids' education. There's an awful lot of uncertainty. I think your educators will pick up the anxiety in the parents. And I think it's really important that they don't see that anxiety as being a reflection of something they're not doing and perhaps think about how they can provide more reassurance to the parents rather than just giving them more material to work on. Yeah, I think, Bill, that that, that anxiety is something that is certainly coming through and, and 
as a result, perhaps that's why lots of people are talking about the fact that work and home life have all sort of merged, um, which which probably doesn't do much to to improve anxiety levels. What are your sort of key takeaway points to address this this imbalance uh, and the impact that it has on well-being? Um, yeah, right now, work and home have definitely definitely merged. But I think it's important to bear in mind that for many, many people, even when they were not working at home, work and home had completely merged. They do the suppers, they sort the kids out, get the kids to bed, and then they start dealing with emails. They can do emails all the way through to go into bed. They could pick up and work immediately to get out of bed before they get their kids up. So the merging of work and home is a challenge for many people irrespective of the circumstances that we're in right now. I think what's critical is for people to understand that they need some balance in their lives for what they genuinely value. So if you value being a good educator, you will need to protect your energy. You'll need to protect your well-being. You'll need to protect your emotional equilibrium. And it's very, very difficult to do that if there's no balance in your life. Balance goes to energy, balance goes to resilience, and those qualities are essential for doing a job well. So we need to think about the boundaries, we need to think about the structure of day-to-day life, um, rather than letting it all become a fudge. A fudge can lead to what you might call role chaos, work being a parent and so on, all merged in an unsatisfactory way. Try to have clarity about when the workday starts, try to have clarity about when it closes, try to have routines that help to mark the closing of the working day. Maybe go for a walk, maybe yoga, maybe connect with your own kids, cooking or whatever. But if there's structure and there's boundaries, then you'll be able to take control of this. That fudge and roll chaos, I can so uh, relate to that, those terms. Um, and that was super helpful. And it's really great that you can stay with us to deal with some more specific questions that have come directly from our colleagues uh, via social media. So the first question uh, we asked was, what are the most difficult challenges you faced in terms of your own well-being during COVID-19? Um, and Lee Blowers from South Bank International School in London um, said that it was definitely screen time. You know, just in, in a similar way, it just leaves people feeling that there's no end to the day uh, and that they're on call 24-7 to do the best for their students and to do the best uh, to support the parents in their schools, but that it's just not sustainable. So, so what advice might you have for Lee Bill? Because I'm sure he speaks for many of his fellow colleagues on this point. Yeah, I think that point actually is overlapping with the points I made earlier. Now, many people will be living in completely different circumstances. Some people will be on their own in relatively small flats. Some people will be living with their partners and kids, trying to educate them, work on their own jobs, and so on. But I think regardless of the circumstances, you need to try to make those circumstances work for you. And balance and boundaries are critical to that. So if you're inundated in emails or screen time, maybe it's time to look at the expectations that you have created for yourself and maybe think about the expectations that you've allowed to develop in those people who are sending those emails to you. And perhaps it's time to negotiate some of these expectations so that you are able to get a better balance right now. 
Thanks for that, Bill. One of the other questions that we asked our colleagues was, what's the biggest thing that you are doing now to address your well-being? And we had lots of responses here. So rather than calling a, a single response out, we've grouped them together. Now, some people talk to us very much about connecting with other people online. And as you said earlier, you know, lots of people are doing that. Interestingly, quite a number of our colleagues are learning a new skill. We've got a number of people learning a new musical instrument during this time. They're taking advantage of it. Lots of people talking about either physical exercise, prioritising physical exercise, or actually some people are practising mindfulness and that may be new for them. However, the flip side of this is that other people are telling us that they are finding it really difficult to find the time to do these things. They are struggling perhaps to prioritise. And I think this follows on from your earlier point. What would be your reflection on this this struggle that people are having to prioritise? Yeah, I'm interested in the kind of things that people are doing right now. And, you know, I'm struck like you are at how many people are using this as an opportunity to learn something new. I'm also struck by how many people are taking up things that are really quite simple in a way. Uh, They're practical things. They're very tangible. And it can allow them to relax into those activities. Things like um, baking bread, making cakes, cooking maybe gardening, if they're lucky enough to have a garden, the kind of things that they probably wouldn't normally have the time to do, but they're finding it almost meditative to do those things. And I think right now, with so much anxiety out there, to have one or two things that just anchors you in the moment with something that you're doing that can allow everything else to go is enormously helpful and therapeutic. But at the point about how do you prioritize? Well, if you're having difficulties prioritizing, it's essentially because you're prioritizing other things. So you almost need to make a hierarchy of what things really do matter to you and where they would fit in the order of priorities. If you're making work the only priority it will obviously crowd out everything but if you want to make this a time which brings you something which might which might benefit you into the long term you might really want to prioritize that you might want to prioritize exercise or a new skill um perhaps music or whatever and the determination not to lose that then becomes the priority and then it needs its slot in the structure of your time. It's that sort of conscious prioritising, really. It doesn't sort of happen by itself. Um, So that's really helpful, Bill. Another question we asked uh, was, will any changes you've made help your well-being beyond COVID-19? And uh, Christine, our head at Northbridge House Pre-Prep, tells us that she's definitely eating better. In fact, she hasn't eaten so many fruit and vegetables in her life. Um, And Andy at uh, Bridge School uh, Barcelona told us that he is going to take more time to cherish what matters. And that really resonates with me too. And I suppose I'm interested to know, how can we help colleagues ensure that these great habits are just not forgotten and dismissed, you know, as soon as life becomes more normal? I'm not sure if life will become normal in the sense of it being what it used to be. I think we'll move to something, something different. And I think there's something very exciting about that possibility, actually. 
you're right. I mean, many people I'm talking to are doing things differently from how they were. Um, some people are changing the diets into exercise routines and so on. And actually, it's worth also mentioning that some people are also challenging some mental habits, including perhaps perfectionism and developing some mental habits that allow a greater degree of perspective on what they're able to do right now. But habits, habits are really interesting things. Habits really develop as a result of a conscious determination to do something that is different. It needs consistency until it gets to a point where it becomes a routine. And then, of course, it needs a payoff. So if you've um, taken up exercise, for example, structuring it into the day over about six weeks or so, it will start to become a routine that feels natural and could even get to the point where you start to feel something isn't right if you're not, if you're not doing it. The payoff would be increased energy, greater fitness, maybe a reduction in weight, and so on. But disruption can disrupt our routines and take us away from habits that we feel good about acquiring. So I think you should anticipate this. I think you should think, as it's coming up to the time when our circumstances change, what do I really want to keep? What have I done during this difficult period that I want to retain as a routine in my life? Where would I fit it in? How will I make it work? And then you'll be able to keep those things into the longer term. That's really interesting, Bill. I wonder if I could just go back to something that, that you alluded to just a few moments ago, thinking about what happens after this period, because of course, there's a real danger that we focus on the challenges and all of the gloomy things. But this is a temporary period. What upsides do you see to this? And, and you know, how do you think this might leave us in a better place following this episode? That's an absolutely fantastic question. I certainly anticipate there being many upsides at an individual level, but also at a society level. I think it is very unusual to go through something which is disruptive and not develop something from it that you later appreciate. Now, this thing you later appreciate is very rarely planned. It just sort of appears and doesn't necessarily appear till some time later. But if I ask people the question, if you can think about things that you're really worried about, many of those things don't happen. But some things do. Some things do happen. Things you don't want can happen. And then if you ask them, did anything come out of that that you later benefited from? Most people see something. And many people's lives are shaped by how they adapt to really difficult, disruptive circumstances. And we have the opportunity to do this. For instance, let's give you a few examples. A woman I know who is in architecture has spent much of her time since she built her business on client development out in the evenings, trying to build business. Now she can't do any of that. And what she's discovered is the joy of the creative side of her work. And she's now absolutely determined that when the lockdown is over, she will go back to doing more creative work than just business development. That's a very simple example. Some people are connecting with members of the family that they've been rather estranged from. 
and they're determined to keep those relationships into the longer term. You know, one thing I think we've all learned from this experience is to be a bit better just at technology. Some of us are far, far better than others. But, you know, even I have uh, improved what I've been able to do on, on technology. Before all this happened, we were connecting with the experience and skills of other people in other geographies by, by flying, uh, setting up meetings and so on. Today, we can just use this technology and we can connect with expertise all over the world. And I think that's incredibly exciting. There'll be many, many things come out of this, which will be probably quite revolutionary. So it sounds to me, Bill, like your advice really is something along the lines of use it as an opportunity to almost regroup and to be intentional about how you want the future to be. Be intentional about it. Be optimistic about things changing and don't force it. I think we're at our most innovative when we are in circumstances that are completely new, in all likelihood challenging, and maybe a bit frightening. I think we are at our most innovative then. Every time we speak, I always have this sense that um, almost anything is possible when I've spoken to you. So that, that's really great. And I'm sure that our listeners will find it equally as useful and also inspiring. So thank you, Bill. Thank you so much, Simon. Thank you. Well, that concludes today's episode of the Challenging Education podcast. Thank you to Dr. Bill Mitchell and everyone who contacted us. So what did you think? We'd love to hear from you. And if you found this episode interesting, please subscribe and give the show a review on your podcast app um, as it's really going to help us get this information out there. Please do also join the conversation, share your views with us, use social media, tweet us at Cognita Schools and do include the hashtag Cognita Way. And if you've got ideas of things that you would like us to discuss on future podcasts, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, if you know anyone who might be interested in the things we're talking about, please do share our podcast with them. We're really trying to create and build this community of listeners to help us as educators to feel informed and connected, not just now, but for the post-coronavirus future as well. We will be back with another podcast in two weeks. And this time we're going to focus on how the COVID-19 pandemic could change teaching in the longer term. If you've enjoyed hearing Bill's views today, do look out for some more videos that we're doing with him and they will be coming very, very soon. But for now, from Beth, Bill and myself, please do stay safe, stay well and see you next time. Take good care. Look after yourself. Goodbye. Goodbye.